From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, and it's episode number 67. Today's show is kindly brought to you by Lynda.com, Warby Parker, and GoToMeeting. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Mike's, Mike, we're two-thirds of the way through uh, to episode 100 now. That's pretty crazy to think. Mm-hmm. What I always find weird when I, when I start up the documents for this show is the numbers. So we're on episode 67. Yeah. But connected and, and analog and stuff like the shows that were the originals, they're on like episode 69 and 70, which yep. just doesn't seem right to me because it do- it didn't feel like this show came around like two weeks after Relay launched, but obviously it did. Well, I mean, on one level it did, but on another level it really didn't because the, those shows are largely continuations of shows on 5x5, five five, right, or even previous, and the numbering and names changed, but, you know, they, they're kind of, uh, your your mental model of connected goes back to the prompt, right? Mm-hmm. So th- there's that, and then also you, you, you were spent the summer planning those other shows to be on Relay, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the uh, an upgrade happened on a faster time frame because of me leaving... IDG. Yep. It's just crazy to me to think that we are only two weeks old and then this show appeared. Kind yeah. Kind of nice to think that. Going that back. was that was uh, that was pretty cool. Meanwhile, I posted episode two hundred and seventy six of the Incomparable this weekend. Like, how is that possible that the, the number is that large? <sighs> that is a huge number. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of episodes. I, I don't even know what you do at episode three hundred. Yeah, I, I don't know. What you probably won't do is any follow up. But we do that on this show. We do. Jason, it turns out people do indeed use Launchpad. We were getting a lot of feedback about this, and I don't uh-huh. remember it ever being brought up. No. Now, Launchpad, um, which I, I mentioned that I thought nobody used, which, okay, so I'll say, let me let me say something about hyperbole, which is sometimes you say things that are not, you don't mean them you don't mean them literally. You mean that it feels that way, and it's sort of that way. And my feeling is that, I'll rephrase this, I don't think Launchpad is a feature that is used to the extent that perhaps Apple anticipated. And I'm not convinced, and maybe Apple has numbers that back this up, I'm not convinced that it's a necessary feature. But at the same time, as we talked about last week, just because a feature isn't used by a lot of people, you don't necessarily take it out. Maybe you don't show it a lot of love, but you just sort of leave it there and it's there for the people who who want it. Now, of course, when you say, I don't think anybody or almost anybody uses a feature, what you're going to hear from is everybody who uses it because they are offended that you suggest that they don't exist, which is fair enough. Um, so I did hear from people who use the launch pad. The, the joke that I could make here is that I've heard from everybody who uses the launch pad. <laughs> there are like eight of them, but you know, they are a representative sample of a much larger group. So I, I, I guess what this tells me is a few things. One is not everybody is navigating via the keyboard. Um, spotlight. So spotlight is something that came up too because you can find apps very quickly in spotlight and over the years apple has actually done a really good job of getting the spotlight index to favor apps um and in yosemite and el capitan spotlight immediately will suggest an app when you start typing and if you hit return it, it will it's like as you're typing it's auto filling and displaying the icon and saying this is the app i think you want and if you hit return that app launches. And I heard from some people who said they thought the spotlight was too slow. And I would say if you're using an older version of OS 10, that might be true. If you're using a newer version of OS 10, um, you might want to try it again because Apple spent the last, uh, I think the, I think the um, Yosemite and the previous update, they put a lot of effort into getting app, app launching faster on spotlight. 
and that uh, spotlight does take a while sometimes to kind of chunk around and get like 20 things uh, displayed for you. But the app display is supposed to happen very fast. On my computer, it happens basically instantaneously. So, um, so but what this is interesting is I, I heard from some people who said they use Launchpad because they open Launchpad using a uh, mouse. Uh, usually it's a mouse gesture. And, um, and then they type the name of the app they want because it, it, it defaults to the keyboard when Launchpad opens is in the search box hmm. and you can search for an app. Right. Um, I... I guess that's no different other than the visual uh, thing of having the, the curtain drop down and all those apps there. I guess that's not really much different than doing a spotlight search. Um, it's uh, They're probably about, about just as fast. And this one has a little less noise in the sense that it isn't trying to show you other things too. It's only trying to show you apps. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that that's actually a more efficient way of doing it than just using Spotlight, but there it is. And then the other aspect of this is, I think there, I think be, if you're a person who really uh, uses your computer and thinks uh, visually and spatially, uh, Launchpad has value because you know where you, you know where your apps are. So I heard from a few people. Listener Jeff is a good example. He said I can arrange all of my app icons the way I want. This makes it easier for me to find them. The idea that you've got some apps in the dock and then you've got Launchpad in the dock, and if the app you want is not one of your go-to dock apps, you click Launchpad and you get that grid and you know where that app is that you want. You don't have too many apps or too many apps on page one of Launchpad, and it's a, a nice visual way to find an app. So that, and the idea there is that you may not be the kind of person for whom hitting command space and typing the first three letters of the app name and hitting return is something that you're ever going to internalize. But, you know, click and then click in two different spaces on your screen totally works for you. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, different people have different pathways. So I thought that was a really interesting way of, of going about it. And then I also heard from some people, I, one other common bond in people using Launchpad is I, it, it was not that uh, length of time using the Mac, because I heard from people who are even classic Mac users who use Launchpad, and I heard from people who, were, uh, who migrated over. But I did hear a surprising number of people who migrated from Linux or Windows or both who said that they like it because it's a way to organize you know uh, your programs that, uh, that that don't fit in the dock and i think that also suggests a lack of comfort with spotlight and a lack of comfort with the finder and uh that's not unreasonable i wonder sometimes if launchpad wouldn't be better if it was purely like vis visually an extension of the dock like the, when you clicked launchpad in the dock it just flipped out a table of you know a tray of apps yeah, like a drawer slides out or something you know. Instead of the the curtain coming down and the, you know the, your entire screen is now covered with this app launcher, yeah. But um, just metaphorically, I wonder if that would be better. It's like a, I think that Launchpad is fundamentally a better way to organize and find your apps than the Finder. Like in my opinion, um, it, the Finder just doesn't really gel for me. It's like as a you open a folder to find apps. Like I just feel like now my iOS idea of apps has completely changed the way that I think about apps on the Mac. Um, but I am completely a command space person, but I have yeah. Alfred installed. I really like Alfred. It does a couple of extra things that I like, but one of my main things is it learns from me. Um, and and I, I'm sure Spotlight does a bit of this, but I'm now invested in Alfred. It knows my little habits. It knows that I always type address book when I need contacts and gives me the right one. You know, mm -hmm. like little things like that. And, and so I really love it for that. 
Yeah, I use launch bar, but same po- same point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you know that's it. But I was really interested the other day. Uh, I was me and my girlfriend were doing something uh, on her Mac, and she used Spotlight to launch an app, which really surprised me because she's a relatively new Mac user, um, and I don't know why she did it, but I'm pleased that she did because it shows that she's found something and, and worked out how to do it, which I think is really cool um, because fundamentally. Launching apps on the Mac is not as easy as launching apps on iOS. So that's why Launchpad exists, um, but it's good that Spotlight has integrated that as well. See, I think I think launching apps on the Mac is just as easy as it is on iOS because you either see it or you uh, type it. Well, it's just as easy when you know you have to find it. Like on the on the right on the like iPhone or on the iPad, they're right there looking at you right at all times when you're on the home screen. That's true. Although, although you know, you've got the big dock on the Mac. It's bigger. I mean, I I've, I view sort of like the dock as like page one of the home screen. I think those yeah, are kind of comparable. So. Where mm-hmm. it's like these are the apps that I really want in my face all the time. And then everything else, you can have other uh, other pages of apps. Although generally now, if I don't see it, I just search for it. I don't. I, you know, I, I I've gone. I've come to the. Uh, this may actually be the CGP Grey school of thought, right? Which is, um, if you can't see it, it might as well just be in a folder because you're just going to search for it, and you don't need eight. I don't. I don't have like eight pages of apps anymore. Yeah, um, I, I search. I mean, I have everything yeah. filed away, and there's still some stuff that I just know where it is on my second screen, so I just go and grab it. Yeah, but the majority of the time, I'm using Spotlight and iOS to launch applications right. in the same way. So that's the thing that that that, that makes me stop about Launchpad is that is that um, you are bringing it up and then you're looking for your app and then you're clicking on your app. I agree, looking in the applications folder in the Finder, although something I occasionally do, is not a good way of doing it. But I feel like the Dock and Spotlight are the primary ways that Apple expects you to use it. But I think this is a good good example of Apple thinking, for some people, especially people who are used to the way that iOS presents apps, having a visual grid of, of app icons is um, is a good is a good alternative to to you know to typing them. Um, I have some I have some issues with Launchpad, but it's not for me. So you know, in the end, although I I find like it's a little it's so slavishly attached to uh, iOS con- shortcuts that it's kind of hard to manage Launchpad and move things around. But at the same time, I think the people who are using it don't have very many apps, largely, or they're happy to to manage it. So for it just it doesn't work for me. But uh, and I think it could be better, perhaps. But I see why it's there, and you know that was that was why it was there initially. I, I uh, my larger point last week was I'm not sure Apple would make Launchpad today. I think Apple today would say the dock and Spotlight is good enough. But there was a time when Apple felt like it was a high priority to create an iOS home screen like experience on the Mac that they that they needed to build that feature. And so they did, and it's Launchpad. I just think now Apple's priorities are different, and creating something that is that it apes uh, iOS uh, for an app launcher is not something they would try. But it's there, and people do use it, and and it is absolutely true that different people learn 
and interact with technology in different ways. And this is a great example of that, that for some people, even if you can type the name in Spotlight, they don't want to do it. They either want to type the name in Launchpad or they just want to click on the thing in Launchpad. And, uh, you know, that's that, that's something that we should all remember about computers is just because somebody doesn't do it the way you do it doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. Because there are lots of different paths to get where you want to go, and you may be able to offer something that would be more efficient, but um, it, 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 you, or you may think it's more efficient for them, but it might not be. Because different people, it's just like how, you know, people, some people learn by reading books and some people learn by sitting in a classroom and listening. And some people learn by using their hands in order to do what the, whatever it is they need to learn. Everybody's got different ways that they, that they learn and that they use technology. Speaking of which, Outlook. Uh, yeah, so I, I threw I threw Outlook for Mac under the bus last week, and uh, I should have been nicer to it. There is a new version, which I have seen and I have on my hard drive, and yet when I uh, I was struck, at some point I used Outlook, and I was surprised at how entourage it still felt. But they did do a new version last year that doesn't look like Entourage, although it's still I, I still feel like the weight of history on it at, at, uh, at times. But it does look a lot better. It fits the, the visual style of Microsoft's modern apps, which I do like. Um, I enjoy the way that those apps are designed. I think they're very pretty. And um, and uh, I find them a pleasure to use, actually, especially on iOS, but even on the Mac. And uh, I will still say about Outlook that unless you're, unless you're using Exchange, um, Outlook for Mac, I think, is overkill. I think it's too much. I think it's kind of just, it's, it's a product that's really designed for people who are in Microsoft environments and using Exchange servers. And if you are, then good, you should use it. But, uh, you know, I, I can't really, I'm, I'm enjoying using it on iOS, and I feel that it's a different story on iOS. But yeah. on the Mac, I don't think it's something that I would recommend people use. It is better than it used to be. I guess, like having taken a look at it and whatever and hearing from people, but it's not like the iOS version. It's not like that. Um, the iOS version is very simple and very useful and very stripped down to what you need it to do, yeah. but not in like a simple, like it. it's not, it's not dumbed down, but it's stripped down to the point where you just have the features that you need. And I really like it for that. Um, the desktop version of Outlook is still kind of catered to the PC environment, I guess, more and like the corporate environment uh, as opposed to the iOS environment, mm. which the new Outlook apps are on, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started using Mail.app um, as well as Outlook. That's what I've switched to, and I've had to move away from Mail.app because for some reason, it do it really doesn't like the 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 fact that I use a pen tablet and a Magic Trackpad for navigation, and every now and then I am hovering over the pen tablet with my pen and i attempt to use a gesture with the trackpad and then i cannot interact with anything in the mail app it just locks up everything else <laughs> in the system is fine but it seems to get stuck in some gesture somewhere and it, i can only use the app again by force quitting it so i have moved away from mail and i'm currently trying airmail i i uh I I have seen that on El Capitan in a few places where there are there are certain circumstances where um, something is happening and gestures gestures kill an app where they cause the app to become unable to recognize gestures mm -hmm. or cause the system to un be unable to recognize gestures and other work 
they otherwise work normally, which is really weird, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I can still use the keyboard and the mouse. I just can't use my uh, trackpad gestures anymore. It's just strange. Yep, stuff and I like can that. use them in all other apps, just not this one. It's yeah. I I, I don't know if it's a problem uh, with Mail specifically, but it is a problem with OS ten because sometimes the my trackpad doesn't work with Logic, and I have to. I'd usually turn my trackpad off and on again for the gestures to work, the pinch gestures to work for zooming in and zooming out. Who knows, Jason? Nobody knows. I will just point out that I have not yet updated this machine to the most current version of uh, El Capitan. Who knows? Just in case that's been fixed. Do you remember last week uh, there was an Ask Upgrade question that people were saying, like, where can I get live wallpapers from? Yes. Well, uh, Upgrade and Danny uh, sent in a link to an app. It's a 79 pence app, which I think is 99 cents, called Live Wallpapers, and it is just a collection of live wallpapers that you can get from the from an app in the App Store. Um, with a bunch of different patterns and stuff like that. It hasn't got the best reviews. I haven't no. tried it myself, but it does exist. Um, so proving that I guess it's possible, uh, but there are some, it seems like people are complaining that it crashes. However, it exists, so give it a go at your own risk, I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. I have uh, taken a new, I I have a picture of my lovely girlfriend as my lock screen image. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a great picture that I took uh, of her a couple of years ago that I really loved, and I really wanted a live wallpaper picture of her. So over the weekend we were away uh, for, on a family thing, and I took a picture of her because she looked cute in a hat that she was wearing, and now I have a live wallpaper picture of her, and I absolutely love it. Hmm. Do you, have you done this? No, I've I got recommend some. it. Uh, yeah, I should do it. I, I, I need to look because what happens is I just take the pictures and then I, I don't think to go back and mark those. Um, so I'll have to I'll have to look for that. Yeah, I've got one of my daughter like jumping uh, up and down when we were taking taking our family. Um, turns out to be our family photo for our holiday card. And uh, I've got a live photo of her um, that's basically from that, which is kind of cool. So more and more I am loving that feature. I really do think it's oh. fantastic. It's just a fun little thing. Um, and it's captured some really cool moments that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to grab. So I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I just wish that, I just wish that there were more. It, it just needs to be more shareable because it's weird, you know, one-off format. So more shareable in more places is, as we were saying last week, is, mm-hmm. is that would be nice. Listen to Abby wrote in uh, about a comment. Of yeah, no command line for classic Mac OS, and pointed to something called MPW. You got to help. Yeah, me Mac, one, that's that, that's the Macintosh Programmers Workshop. So, so Abi wrote in and said, um, "You're wrong. There was a command line for the classic Mac OS. It was called MPW, and I know what MPW is." Um, and we ended up disagreeing on this, and I, I disagree with listener Abi about this, but I appreciate the the the, the, the message because what Abi was saying was. Um, uh, was MPW was a, a program you could install on the Mac and it gave you a command line and you could you could develop software and write shell scripts and, and execute them and it would do things in the file system and, and, and all that kind of thing, like we think of with the terminal app. Um, so I guess the question is, what does has a command line mean? Because there are lots of there were lots of programs for classic Mac OS that you know quote unquote gave you a command line where you could do things like rename batch rename or remove files and things like that. And what was really happening is you were issuing a command and then the the, the command line program would do what you told it to do. And I guess what I would say is. 
the Unix terminal is fundamentally a part of OS X. And it's there whether you want it to be there or not. And terminal is just a window into it. You could actually, depending on your settings, you can telnet in to or SSH into a Mac and do Unix stuff. And OS 9 didn't work like that. OS 9 had no fundamental part of its operating system that was text, a text-based command line. You can install programs that emulated a command line interface and let you do things. But it's not the same, in my mind, as what DOS had, which was fundamentally down below there is, or, or, or even Windows with the DOS underneath it, right? That, with DOS, it wasn't down below. It, that was all there was. But with Windows, it was down beneath it, uh, this command line interface. And um, that's just not true on on OS 9 it didn't have anything like that you had you could run a program that gave you the ability to do stuff that felt like today's command line but OS 10 has Unix with uh, a command line interface and shells and stuff already installed as part of the base system that are are running and all the terminal app is doing is giving you a window into that stuff um, and Abi made Abi made one argument that you can't really do anything with the terminal unless you install Xcode and that's not that's not true that's not absolutely not true there's lots of things you can do with the OS 10 terminal without installing Xcode and I've done them many of them. So um, I think it's an interesting perspective, even though I'm going to disagree. I'm, I think it's a really interesting perspective because it is true that on one level, if you can install software that lets you type commands and have them executed, then is that not a command line? But um, I think it misses the point that OS 9 and before the classic Mac OS had no fundamental sort of like text-based interface that was sitting there waiting for somebody to contact it. That That's not how it works. All right, well, that one's lost on me. So <laughs> I tell you what, though, if I did want to learn how to do all of this stuff, do you know where I would go, Jason? Where would you go? Lynda.com. Ah, that's a great place. They are the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. You can get yourself a free day a free 10-day trial, I should say, by visiting lynda.com slash upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash upgrade. Lynda.com has courses on everything. So, you know, if you want to learn how to do Xcode stuff, if you want to learn terminal stuff, you're going to be able to find all kinds of to uh, topics and subjects and courses like that over at lynda.com because they're there to help you solve problems. They're, help you, they're there to help you feed your curious mind, help you tackle those tasks you've been putting off for ages. We are approaching a new year. New year means new resolutions. And so it's the perfect time to go to lynda.com, watch their videos, learn from top experts, and put into practice the thing that you have been putting off. Maybe you want to learn how to use IFTTT. Maybe you really want to learn how to go paperless and finally get rid of that stack of bills sitting on your desk whatever it is go to lynda.com you can stream any of these thousands of video courses on demand you can learn at your own schedule at your own pace and you can even watch and download courses to your android or ios device to learn on the go when you're watching on the desktop you can browse each of their course transcripts you can follow along search for an answer within them and maybe click that point and go straight to that point in the video you can even take notes on lynda.com so you can uh, return to them later and refer to what you were thinking when you were watching that fantastic video. You're also able to share with friends playlists that you create so you can put your own course transcripts together and you can share with friends and colleagues so they can learn along with you. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just looking to learn something new, go and visit lynda.com upgrade 
sign up for your free 10-day trial and start learning some new stuff today. Thank you so much, Lynda.com, for their support of the show and Relay FM. So you uh, you did exactly what I expected you would do, and you went <laughs> Mike ahead, was right. Uh, bought an iPad <laughs> Pro in between yeah. these two episodes. Why is yeah, that? You know, so uh, so uh, this weekend we went to uh, my sister-in-law's house. My sister-in-law, my wife's sister, used to uh, she's a she was a, a lawyer. She went to you know she went to law school and then went to firm and ended up at this uh, firm in New York City. Um, and I visited her there. Uh, earlier this year and she uh she did a career change and moved to california uh back to california because they're they're they grew up in la and uh they're in the central valley now and she's a judge and her um her swearing in as a federal magistrate judge was this weekend so or it was friday so we went over so we went there and we're it was really nice it was kind of like a cross between a family reunion and a um the thing it was most like is like a wedding uh, like a wedding reception because um it was all parts of the family um it was really nice and it was a great they, they do a ceremony they do it right too like all the judges in the federal uh the federal courthouse are in this session it's like in the ceremonial uh courtroom where they're all the judges are because usually there's like one judge per courtroom you don't need like 10 of them um it was really a great a great ceremony so so we're there for the weekend and i didn't bring my laptop with me so um, I did a bunch of stuff this weekend. I edited an episode of The Incomparable with Ferrite on the iPad Pro again this weekend, which I can talk about a little bit later because um, that was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm using it for the weekend thinking, again, as I have all along, this is a product I never expected to like this much. And it's literally just been the weeks with it of, of, of continuing to come back to it and not put it down and not go back to the iPad Air that made me think this is, as we said last week, this is probably something I should buy. So I was, so we're sitting at, at my sister-in-law's dining room table talking and there's people all around. It's, it's uh, Saturday night and uh, some of the people have left, like the party is kind of winding down because we did a big party on, on Saturday um and swearing in was friday afternoon we did a party on saturday at their at their house and we're, we're talking and there's a few of us talking and and uh i had the ipad pro out and 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 um somebody noticed it and asked me about it so i picked it up and i showed them some stuff and i said to to my wife um yeah i think i'm probably gonna buy one they were asking do you like it I'm like yeah this is the apple one but i think i'm gonna buy one and my wife ever the sensible person said well if you're going to buy it, you should buy it before the end of the year because tax wise, you know, it, it, it works better that way. Like the business, the business buys it. Um, and then that's less of a profit for the, for the business. It's less income for me. There's good, some good reasons to spend your money, uh, this year rather than next year. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> and you know, two minutes later <laughs> it was bought because I, I, I didn't need, I didn't need any more, um, reasons that was good, good enough reason for me so I, I i immediately bought the ipad so it's coming similar kind of experience um whilst at that family get together of mine this weekend uh, i took the ipad pro with me uh because my uncle is is he loves all this kind of stuff as well um, and he buys most of these things uh, but there are sometimes i'll show him something because he hasn't bought it yet and then he decides if he wants it this is like what happened with the apple watch he saw mine and, and then wanted one and went ahead and bought one so i took the ipad pro to him and he was saying to me that he was convinced that he wasn't going to get one but after a little demo he's now rethinking that idea um 
But there was a really funny moment where we were sitting down. We kind of, because we don't all get to see each other over uh, the couple of days of Christmas. So we have a big kind of family Christmas dinner a couple of weeks before, before everybody goes off in their own separate directions to do whatever it is that they're doing over the holidays. So we basically had mini Christmas and we were trying to play music. My uncle was trying to play music and he was trying to plug in his uh, iPhone into his stereo. But the cable, you know, like the 3.5 millimeter cable wasn't wasn't working. Maybe that's why they should get rid of them, Jason. But yeah, we'll mm. talk about that another day. Uh, and the Bluetooth thing that he was trying to use, he couldn't connect to it. So I was like, well, let me just go get the iPad Pro. And the speakers were so loud, right, that we were, I was able to use it as the kind of the jukebox um, and put on my great Christmas music choices for everybody to listen to. So again, I, I had one of those scenarios where people were kind of very interested in this product um, and it served an interesting and slightly unexpected purpose because it is incredible. I love my iPad Pro. Yeah, it's um, so... so um going this weekend, I had that moment of like, all right, am I going to bring a laptop? And and what I found more than anything else about this iPad Pro is that it has made me cease using my, my MacBook Air. Because I have the iMac at the desk, I do my Mac stuff at the desk. And then I've got this MacBook Air that I used to use a lot. I used to use it all the time. And then I used it a lot, but I had the iPad mini and the, then the Air 2. And so I used it less. And with the iPad Pro, I use it none. I use it not at all. And uh, I like that. That means that when I'm out here, I'm working on the Mac. And when I'm in the house or I'm traveling, I'm not. Um, but could I do it traveling? Could I Could I do it? And I decided I was going to try it. I, I had all the files for this weekend's Incomparable. I just needed to copy them over to the iPad Pro. I had done an episode on Ferrite before, so I could probably do that again. And so I did. The only, the only adjustment I made... Um, and Ferrite, there was just an update. It lets you export lossless now, which is nice. Um, uh, and a couple of new things. I, I, there are a couple more things they need to do. I still need to use a Bluetooth keyboard with it for now because it takes too long to delete items using the, the uh, touchscreen. And the uh, play-pause control is not conveniently located. So I, I sit there with like... So what I did this time is rather than having it be the traditional sort of keyboard in front of you and then screen out, because there's so much of editing audio with Ferrite that is uh, touch-based, that I um, I was getting the zombie arms that people that Apple talks about for the Mac, where you know you're sitting there using a touchscreen device and you keep having to raise your hands up and and use the touchscreen and how it's kind of unpleasant. And I, I was getting that, and I was thinking this is not this is not fun um, because actually touching the screen and editing audio with touch is kind of great. It, it feels really great. Um, so I took the iPad and I laid it flat on that dining room table. And I had the, my Bluetooth keyboard next to me, like off to, off to the left. And I edited like that. So everything was flat on the table. Hmm. And so they were side by side. Uh, and the, the keyboard was turned a little bit, so it was a little bit angled and a little bit closer. And that was fantastic. That was actually a really great experience. I had a lot of fun editing that that podcast. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's basically replaced. I, again, you can't really record podcasts on iOS devices now, so it doesn't. If I have to record, it gets much more complicated. But just taking it away to do some editing, I could totally do it. And um, and that's exciting. So yeah, it's funny. It is. Uh, I, I heard from some people when I said that I over the weekend that I bought it, saying, "Well, of course, you know, that's what you do is buy all the Apple stuff." It's just, it's not true. <laughs> I don't buy all the Apple stuff. I buy very specific. You get most of it, 
but you don't buy it all. And then I send it back. Right. Exactly. Right. And I, I, you know, I didn't buy an iPad six plus and, you know, but what, what has happened with the iPad is that I've gone over the course of a year from the iPad mini to the iPad pro. And I did not expect that to happen. And I fully expected to ship the iPad pro back and be done with it. And this has been a surprise. So I think that's kind of interesting. I still haven't tried Ferrite. I've downloaded it. I've opened it, but I haven't really done anything with it yet i feel like i should but i have to say even though i know it's really good i've heard great things i'm just a little bit nervous of it that's all and i will do it eventually like i will have some time and i'll give it a go just because i trust your opinion on these things as always um so if you really like it and you and it's working for you and i've listened to the episode you've edited on it and wouldn't have known right yeah like i listened to the incomparable the last incomparable today I had no. It didn't sound bad. I had no idea you were doing anything. The Star Wars anticipation episode. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have known. So yeah. sure. uh, it obviously does the job in a great way. So I'll talk to you about it because I have a few questions, but they're not really worth it for the show. Um, and then maybe I'll give it a go and let people know what I think about it later on. But I guess you know, if if you're using it and you're happy with it, that's great. But yeah. talking about apps, um, I've seen the first kind of crop of professional-focused apps over the last week updated to take advantage of specific iPad Pro features, which is which is really interesting. So DJ Pro and Pixelmator have both been updated yeah. with the iPad Pro in mind. Yeah, the DJ Pro um, from Algorithm is uh, it's pretty crazy because it is taking advantage of the size of the screen and also the power of the processor. You can do like two 4K videos. I'm, I'm, I mean, I have to admit, I just don't get the DJ thing, but um, I can tell you about the tech specs, like two 4K videos at once, um, a whole bunch of different audio streams. Like what it is, is capable of doing is kind of amazing. And it, it might be the first app I've seen that, that I can say uh, it's taking advantage of the fact that the iPad Pro has all that power. I suspect that most of the time the iPad Pro is not being put to the test. Um, when I export, maybe when I'm using Ferrite and I've got multiple audio streams, you know, yeah, I, I suppose it's it's really taking advantage of all the memory and uh, the processor power of the iPad Pro. But DJ, uh, totally, uh, it's crazy what it can do. And yeah. Pixelmator did an update uh, similarly to, to add some iPad Pro features. So they're they're coming. You know, these th- this is a key part of the iPad Pro being successful is that apps need to get updated to support it otherwise because scale, using scaled up apps on the iPad Pro stinks. Yeah. I was using Dropbox and that was so painful. I can see now um, after this weekend, I know why Federico is so mad about Dropbox lagging because not only is that a scaled up iPad Pro app, but it um, I couldn't get it in uh, split view either. Uh yeah, for really... Dropbox, I don't care that it's scaled up because I'm not writing in it or anything. It doesn't look great, yeah, but I can deal with beautiful. it. But the fact that I can't access it in split view is really frustrating to me. Yeah, yeah, or or slide over. It's yeah, it's super frustrating. But I saw an app updated with something that's really interesting to me. So Geometry Wars Three, Geometry Wars is a age old game. It's been rebooted and updated so many times. It's still fantastic, by the way, if you've never played Geometry Wars or if you've never played it on iOS. But they have updated for an iPad Pro only local multiplayer. So basically, what you do is each of you hold um, the iPad, right? So you or you have it in front of you, kind of in what would be portrait orientation. And you can both put your two thumbs on the screen and use the kind of the dual analog stick type movement. And there are two characters, like two spaceships, whatever you call them, flying around and destroying the enemies 
It's wow. difficult to explain because the app is so kind of like just artistic in its way. Like it, there isn't really a th- story, but you just fly around shooting other spaceships in a geometric world. Um, it's awesome. And it's only wow. on the iPad Pro. And it makes cool. sense because you need the space for two people to be able to both have both hands on the thing. Right. Uh, but it's really interesting. I don't know if a lot of games will add this. I don't think it would work for a lot of games, but I think it's super cool that it exists. Cool. So that's something for you. It was just, it kind of caught my attention because there aren't a lot of apps that are doing things that are exclusive to the iPad Pro, right? They may be doing things that are like, oh, it's a bit better here or it, we have a bit more space here. But this is like, you actually can't play co-op multiplayer on any other device. Right. So I, I like that a lot. Yep. Yeah, I'll check it out. So I know we're talking a lot about the iPad Pro um, and I feel like I'm talking about it on more and more uh, <laughs> uh, shows recently, but it really has become a very important device for me. And it's one of the more interesting things that Apple have done recently, but they've done it in a kind of non-fanfairy type way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a hard you know it's a product that it's going to take time and it's going to take those app updates and i think it's a long-term strategy from apple but um it's i think it's a very interesting product i see people dismiss it and i i just think you know this is not the product that all of us are going to use it is definitely a very specific kind of product but uh, i think you if, if you just dismiss it, miss it out of hand then you're making a big mistake yeah most definitely so, so there was some news uh, over the last couple of days that I'm sure are making you very happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, we uh, complained a lot in recent shows about the Apple TV. And one of the fundamental questions that ba- kind of baffled all of us was, why did it not support the remote app? Uh, because that would make a lot of things. The remote app, used with the old Apple TV, you can enter in passwords, you can enter in search terms, and you can kind of control the screen. Why would why can you not do that? And last week, Apple released uh, an update to... They, they did a bunch of operating system updates, including a tvOS update that enables support for the Apple remote. The Apple remote app got updated the next day, um, weirdly and the release note said it supports the new apple tv but i used the previous version the day before and it worked fine so it was really about the tv os update that whatever you know whatever it's listening for it wasn't listening for now it was listening for that remote app and um and so now you can do that which means that now if you get uh, uh, an apple tv and you need to enter in passwords you can go to your phone and launch the remote app and put the passwords in there using the the keyboard on the iphone which is great um it's still emulating the old remote control um and apple uh was quoted as saying by by someone i forget i forget who who they furnished the quote to as saying they were working on a an update, whether it's a new app or it's an update to the remote app that will emulate the full Siri remote, which presumably means like um, Siri remote tells like where your finger is moving on the trackpad. Um, if you move your, if you sort of swirl your thumb around on the trackpad, you can see the little icons move. Uh, the remote app is just left, right, up, down. You know, even if you're sliding your finger across it, it doesn't do that. It just translates it as the old remotes left, right, up, down. Um, so presumably it would get more detailed trackpad support and access to the gyroscope and accelerometer and maybe the microphone for, uh, for, for voice control. 
Uh, and I wrote a post about this. I, I do wonder if this means that we're also headed for a software update that will enable more than one Siri remote on the Apple TV, because then you could use the Siri remotes like Wii remotes and play games and stuff with just the Siri remotes, which might be an interesting thing for people who don't want to buy um, game pads for the Apple TV. So it'll be interesting to see. The question becomes, and it's irrelevant now, I suppose, but the question remains, why was this not available at launch? And I guess the answer is just that they didn't have it ready. Uh, maybe they didn't realize that anybody cared and they, this was a response to everybody complaining about it. But um, yeah, it's still a little weird, but at least it's here now. That's that's great. I've This isn't something that bothers me. Um <laughs> Kind of at all, really. I I'm fine with the remote, um, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm happy that it's there for the people that want it, like yourself and Joe Steele. Well, but it's not. See, the thing is, once it, it's, I think that part of this is that we're we're all happy um, to be just using the. We we're past setup now. We're past setup now, so it, it is less relevant to to all of us who are past setup now. Where it's relevant is for people who are setting up these things and are in that position where there's a, they're asked for their pa- various service passwords five times. That's where it's really important to have a product like this. So there was some other, there was another little uh, Apple TV thing which is kind of more located to my interests than yours, uh, or just my geographical location which is the BBC iPlayer app has been debuted on the Apple TV, um, which is great that it's there. You know, this is mm-hmm. something it wasn't at launch, but everybody loves iPlayer in this country. It's the BBC's online uh, system where you can watch their shows and it's free and as long as you put your TV license. But the interesting part is they have a, a link to it. They have a whole page that they've built on apple.com promoting the iPlayer like if you go to apple.com slash UK right now, it's one of the little banner items down the bottom. And you hmm. can click it, and I'll put a link in the show notes to the actual page that Apple have built displaying iPlayer as a big feature because it is a big feature. They really should have endeavored to have it on here on day one, but they've got it now, and they're promoting it as a big part of the Apple TV in the UK. And this is the... I made this point about the Apple Watch a little bit too, but in the end, um, the... You know, the bulk of sales and the bulk of experience with this stuff is probably going to happen. A lot of these products is going to happen around Christmas. It's the going to happen in December. And so they should have had this stuff at launch, but they have it now, which means that if people buy an Apple TV for Christmas and it's under the tree, well, it's going to be there. Yeah, right? it's good. That they're not going to care that it wasn't there in September. they couldn't get it for launch, it's good that they got it for Christmas. Yeah. Because that's that's the time. But I just r- thought it was really interesting that they made such a big song and dance about it. Um, but what is funny about all of this, of course, is they've created a page to it, but there's nothing you can do. <laughs> right? You still have to go and search for it. Like, there's nothing you can do for it. Yeah. Oh, and Joe Steele has said to me that it's apparently appearing on Apple TVs in the UK. I have not so, seen this. As that's a thing. interesting. If you're if you're in the UK, you, maybe you just get it. That's cool. Yeah, that that's weird though. But hey, I mean, I like I like it, so I'm just happy do it. it's there. <laughs> just put it but there. But it's interesting Boom. that they're just shoving it in. Uh, mm. But hey, hey ho, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, man. Everybody loves iPlayer here. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Well, I, I could argue that it would make it would make a more pleasurable Apple TV setup experience in America if you had if they just went ahead and auto installed. Uh, a, a handful of the most common sort of video services and things rather than making people do it. Wouldn't it be better if Netflix was available right out of the box? 
Yep, probably. And it, it, is it really a big deal if you don't want it, or if it auto downloads when you set it up? What you know, or or it prompts you and says, "Would you like me to install these things instead of having to go to the app store?" I don't know. They'll work on it. They'll they'll get it better, and they'll get they'll get statistics about who's using what, and they can use that to guide it too. For sure. I mean, I guess they can't really put Netflix. It's more difficult to put Netflix on there because it's not free, right? People still have to sign up for an account. It's true. It's not kind of not you know. It's not guaranteed that you can have access to it. But in the UK, if you have a TV, you should be you, paying your TV license. Right. So you should have access to iPlayer. You should be able to get access to iPlayer. Interesting. Yeah, there's tweets that uh, Joe Steele has pasted in the chat room from people saying uh, it definitely just appeared on their Apple TVs. I don't have a problem with that. I'm sure people will throw the U2 argument in. Bono Bono approves. Yeah, Bono Bono gave the stamp of approval on this decision. All right, should we take a break? Yeah, nice Doctor Who image on that BBC iPlayer page on Apple's site, by the way. One of the key things. That's that's a good, you got a good Venn diagram there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Doctor Who uh, watchers have BBC got to be in there like somewhere. Mm-hmm. BBC, Apple lovers, Doctor Who, There's a, there's got to be a crossover. Definitely. This week's episode is also brought to you by Warby Parker. Quite frankly, glasses should not cost as much as an iPhone, but way too often they do. And this is what Warby Parker is setting out to tackle. Warby Parker prescription glasses start at just $95 and this includes prescription lenses. That is a fantastic deal, especially considering because these are excellent looking frames. Warby Parker believes that glasses should be viewed as a fashion accessory, like a bag, a shoe, a necktie, a hat, or even that fancy watch that you wear. Glasses actually change the look of your face and you wear them front and center all of the time. You should be wearing great-looking glasses if you do need to wear glasses. Or sunglasses if you want to wear sunglasses because it's sunny outside or you drive, you should be wearing a nice pair. And this is what Warby Parker is all about. Now, as well as these fantastic prescription glasses at $95, they have a titanium collection that starts at $145, again, including prescription lenses in that price. These feature premium Japanese titanium and French non-rocking screws. They sound very fancy. But all of their glasses also include anti-reflective and anti-glare coating. There is no additional cost for these. And you also get yourself a lovely hard case and cleaning cloth as well. You're not going to have to pay extra for these little items, which is fantastic at Warby Parker. But the best part of them, and the thing that makes them really stand out, is their home try-on experience. So you select the five, up to five pairs of glasses that you like the look of with their home try-on. They'll ship them to you directly. You can try them on in the comfort of your own home for five days, where you can get feedback from friends, family, and colleagues. They can tell you if you look good or not in the glasses that you've chosen. You then send them back for free, of course, using the prepaid return shipping label with no obligation to purchase. And then when you're happy with the ones that you've decided, you place your order, Warby Parker will get started on them right right away and you'll have them in your hands within 10 business days. Mr. Jason Snell, you uh, are a Warby Parker owner, are you not? Yeah, I've got got a pair of sunglasses, prescription sunglasses that I got from them and that I wear as my sunglasses now. I uh, uh, was wearing those this weekend because we had a very, on Friday, we had a nice sunny day. Um, It rained on Saturday, but on Friday it was nice and sunny and we were driving around, going to this place and that, out in the valley, and... uh, absolutely had my had my sunglasses with me and then driving home we um the rain stopped and the sun came out and i uh had to switch into my uh, warby parker sunglasses and they're very nice i I enjoy them quite a bit it's nice to have a a good pair of sunglasses 
no doubt. So you can go and find out more about this yourself and choose your five free home try-on frames by going to warbyparker.com slash upgrade. Send the frames back, choose your favorite pair and order. And if you visit that URL, warbyparker.com slash upgrade and order that way, you will get free three-day shipping on your final frame choice. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free with free shipping all around and you'll be contributing to a charitable cause as well because for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Thanks so much to Warby Parker for their support of this show. Go to warbyparker.com upgrade to sign up today. So Mr. Snell, a couple of weeks yeah, ago sorry. you uh, published a little article that I thought was interesting and I think that some of our listeners might do too which was the use of a service called Cast. Uh, could you yes. explain to listeners what Cast is all about? So ca- Cast Cast is I like that you went with that. You would I just cast. got you there, didn't I? Is it ca- It's Cast. Cast. See, you have to buy it and it costs. No. All right, uh, let me try it. let me try ca- it in ca- your way. Cast. Well, yes, right? it's a pod pod Blank. That's the that's the word you're looking for. Mm-hmm. C A S T. Uh, Cast is a service uh, takes advantage. There are a few of these that we're beta testing this summer, and this one it launched last week, two weeks ago. And it is a it is a service. You pay. You subscribe. Although there's a trial, um, and it uses technology that exists in Chrome, though not yet in Safari that allows some very clever things to happen. So basically, it's a podcast service. And what you do is, as a subscriber to Cast, you are the host, essentially, of a podcast. And you say, I'm going to do a new podcast. And you get a link, a share, a shareable link that you send to your guest or guests. And I think you can have up to three guests. Um, and they click on the link in and open it in Chrome. They have to open it in Chrome. It won't work in Safari. And they connect to your show page. And uh, and then once you're on that page, you can all hear each other. Uh, and what Cast is doing in the background is it is, um, it is uh, you, you pick your microphone that you're using and it compresses the audio and like you would with Skype or Google Hangouts or something like that and sends it up to the server and then relays it to the other people. So in that way, it's just like Skype. It's not any different. You hear other people's voices. Um, and you're all looking at the same web page, and you can actually send little notes to each other. So it's, again, it's a little bit like Skype. The big difference is that um, with Cast, you are also while you're sending uh, that audio up, it's also recording your microphone at a much higher quality, and uploading that in the background to its server. So when the when the podcast is over. Oh, and as a host, you decide when every, everything starts recording, and you click the button, and the recording begins. So your your um, your guests don't need to um, don't need to re- remember to press the record button, which believe me, people forget. They don't need to launch software that they use to record their own audio because the best sounding podcasts you record your own audio and then and then transfer the file later and that's what we do in all the relay podcasts um so cast does all of that so when you're done with the conversation the host press stop and the cat cast will bring up a little dialog box that says please wait while i upload the rest of your local file uh, usually doesn't take very long because usually if there's enough bandwidth it's been kind of sneakily record uh, uploading chunks of it in the background when all is said and done what cast has is your local ver- local recording version of everybody who is in the conversation and you can do a few things with that you can actually edit it in the cast app on the web basically it's got some pretty simple uh trim and and uh insertion functionality so you can like tr- trim the the um 
beginning and end of the podcast and remove some mistake in the middle and drop in an ad and put in some music. But it's rudimentary, but you can do it. Um, you can also just download the audio files as a bundle, and it will it will let you as the host download everybody's individual tracks for you to take away and edit yourself. And I think that's really interesting because it allows you to get pretty good audio quality out of people without them having to do any of those things um, that are a little more complicated, like launching an app or downloading and launching an app and pressing record and then saving the file out in the right format and then remembering to transfer it to you in a timely fashion. That all happens behind the scenes. All they have to do is go to a web page in Chrome and talk. And you can even tell what microphone they're using because if you... If you hear it, that's the microphone that it's using. And so you you know what the recording is going to sound like. So I think it's pretty clever. And what was your impression of the the quality of the audio that was produced? Like did it did it was it comparable in sort of stuff that you would usually call or me you would usually record of like core recorder or audio yeah. hijack? Yeah, it seems to be it seems to be like a 128 or 192 MP3 that's going up to the server, which is uh, pretty good. I have some people who record their audio lossless, but I don't. I, it's not really necessary. Voice is so simple a thing that it can easily be encompassed in in uh, in a 128 or a 192 file. Um, so I was actually quite happy with it. I did um, I did an episode of TV Talk Machine, episode 62. Um, and uh, I, I didn't edit with that. I just downloaded the file. But my co-host, Tim, I usually just record using Skype and I don't even bother to have him. He is not a very technical person. So I do not have him set up something and record it and send me his file and all that. It's just like it's too much trouble. But with this, I didn't have to do that. And it worked fine. So I might I might do it again. I'm not sure in the end if for a two-person conversation, if you're if your connection is stable, it's really necessary to ha- record their end of the conversation because uh, two, it's when you get more than two people or if somebody sounds really bad and, you know, Skypey and, uh, and robotic that you need to, to rely on that, on that. So um, I was pretty happy with that. It, it, you know, it's, it's, we, when you and I tried it, um, we had some, this summer, there were a lot of artifacts and it was no yeah, good. Yeah, this was in the beta, like just to, to kind of to say, we tried it in the beta period and we weren't very impressed with it, but you seem to have had better experiences than what we had. Basically, we just got some really bad sounding audio files out at the end of it. Yeah, but in the beta. And then you said that, you, so we Dan and I are now doing a, a, a podcast for Six Colors subscribers and uh, we did the first one using this as a test. And I thought it sounded okay, although you said you, you heard some artifacts in it. Yeah, I definitely did. The, yeah. um, it's difficult to explain them, but just there were times where I would hear what sounds like there's you're a little bit underwater. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what was going on. That one I tried to edit using their tools and export out the final flattened version. Yeah, it sounds like they, had, they were doing some really heavy compression on it that was well, screwing well, things up. And then what happened was the volume, the compression that they were, they, they have a compression setting that li- they let you do that like is supposed to level everything out and it was over modulating everything. So I ended up having it come out uncompressed and running it through levelator, which also can make things sound weird, but mm. it sounded better. Um, but generally, I think for my use, I would just take the take the files away and do my own editing. But if you're somebody who um, wants, I, I think this is encouraging because if you want to do group podcasts and you don't want to have a whole lot of, uh, a lot of uh, software and setup and all of that, and you really just want to get that conversation, um, 
this this you could do it all in the browser i i feel like you it's missing some key features like being if somebody coughs on one of the tracks you should be able to take that out yeah because currently let, you can't do that no right? like if no, you want to remove something you remove it from all tracks not single tracks which is exactly kind of a bit crazy if you ever edited a podcast you know how crazy that is really you need to be able to take parts out of each of each track and, and it sounds like they're working on it i talked to their developers and they said that they're that they're working on that and some of the challenges are how you do that with a good interface in the web browser <laughs> but uh they are working on it. it it's just it's an interesting service and um and has the potential to make it easier for regular people to get a, on a podcast without a lot of uh technical hassle yeah. and i think that's good most of my panelists for for shows are old hands at this now and it's not a an issue but no. uh, i could see how this would be great if you were uh working for a radio station or uh, you know or a podcast that you've got sort of random people coming on all the time that this would be uh as long as they've got chrome which you can yeah. download for free on you every see, platform that's the problem though right because yeah. it's like this is this is good for basically not having to tell somebody how to download and install and use skype yeah but you still need them to go and download Chrome. I mean, they don't need to sign up for an account, which is at least one step, which is better. Right. But they still ha- you, there's still some hand-holding that has to be done if they don't already have Chrome. If they do have Chrome, you're off to the races because it's you just send easy. them an email with a link in it and just say, go here, and then it's well, done. And my daughter has a Chromebook, and you know, Chromebooks were not suitable for podcasting, and now they are. <laughs> because this is the this is because they only will do whatever runs in the browser but this runs in the browser I, and, and then i had that moment where i realized um because i I, t- I wrote about this and i tweeted about it and i had a, some people misunderstood and thought that i was saying you could do this on the ipad i'm also talking about podcasting on the ipad these are not the same conversation um but imagine so imagine if safari this is the r- real thing and i don't know if apple plans on doing this but imagine if safari is updated at some point to support this um i think it's part of a standard it's like an audio spec where you can you know you can record and upload audio and it's using some very specific features that are are implemented by chrome but haven't yet been implemented by safari but what if well i guess what it's doing is using some of the 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 frameworks that google chrome have being able to store information as well right like what's built into chrome os which is also part of google chrome uh i think because it has to be able to store the audio somewhere in a cache whilst it's uploading it yeah, it's. I think it's using WebRTC, which is not yet, uh, not supported. You may be able to use Firefox and Edge too. I think it's just Safari that doesn't do this. But <laughs> this goes all the way back to that discussion from a couple of months ago, right? About Safari kind of lagging behind. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is the this is this is a question. Is like, is this a? Um, I, so I can't tell you what Apple's opinion of these of these features are, but I can tell you that if Safari used this, that would be really interesting. And if Safari used this on iOS, it would be very interesting because then you have a scenario where if you can plug a microphone into an iPad or an iPhone, and Apple updated uh, iOS nine point two, uh, the supports even more USB devices on iPhones. iPads already supported them, and yes, there are power issues where some microphones require that you have a powered hub, but some don't. But but it would be very interesting if you could launch a browser and go to this website on an iPad or a Mac, or a Chromebook, or a PC, or a, or an Android device. And as long as a microphone was attached, 
you could record a podcast. And it didn't matter because the service was doing the recording. The audio was getting uploaded automatically. Um, that's really interesting to me. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, it just doesn't it just doesn't work now. So, uh, you know, short of uh, either cast doing an app <laughs> on iOS, which seems unlikely because they would have to implement WebRTC or whatever else they're doing here, or short of Apple, you know, I think it's uh, Apple allowing Chrome to run on iOS with its own engine, which also seems to be unlikely. It really is going to be a matter of will there be an update to Safari at some point in iOS and on the Mac that supports this functionality. I don't I don't know if that'll happen or not, but it's interesting. It's uh it's int- it's intriguing stuff. So, and I like to see it. It's a it's a cool use of of uh <laughs> the incumbents like Skype just seem to not, you know, they don't care that everybody's using them for podcasting. So, this is an interesting alternative. It is a paid alternative if you're the host. The the guests are free, but if you're a host, but I thought it was really interesting. It's uh it's one of the more intriguing uh attempts at a, at a podcast recording system that I've seen. Should we do some Ask Upgrade? I think that's a great idea. This week's Ask Upgrade is brought to you by GoToMeeting. I want you to just for a moment picture what it can be like to set up a meeting in today's world, right? This, you know, when I'm not asking you to go back in time because this is something that happens in offices all over the globe today. You ask somebody if they're free for a meeting or check their calendar. You try and book it in. You finally find a time with somebody and you get it all set. You get the, the meeting arranged, but then you need to find a room or a place. Like, where are, they, where are these rooms and places? It could be in the building that you're in, or maybe you have to go somewhere else, another building, to get to a room where you can actually both sit down together. You've got to try and book that room. I remember when I worked in a big building with thousands of people inside, you couldn't find a room for love nor money for weeks in advance. You had to try and call people to beg and plead with the administration team so they could try and get you a room set up, and, you know, it was just insane. Then you need all the, t- the technical stuff. Let's say you want to do a presentation, you've got to make sure it's a projector, you've got to have all the dongles this is madness like people just shouldn't be meeting this way they should be using go to meeting from citrix instead it is the better way to meet with people you can meet your clients and co-workers online you remember that internet thing that we all love so much this is where your meeting should be now as well go to meeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to wherever you are because with go to meeting you can meet from any computer tablet or even a smartphone as well without travel expenses or the hassle of travel uh, go to meeting has a great ios app where you can do everything you can you can sh- listen to all the audio you can do videos and see people's presentations it's really really cool your team will be able to join a go to meeting by just clicking a link no signups no speed bumps nothing's getting in the way and you can turn on your webcam and with hd quality video it'll be like everybody's in the room together you can share screens as well to present review and get feedback in real time with go to meeting everyone sees what you're seeing so you and your team can get on the same page quickly Get going fast and not have to deal with a bunch of hassles. Stop wasting time with the crazy logistics of trying to arrange meetings. Go and sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it for free for 30 days and there's nothing to lose. So just go to gotomeeting.com, gotomeeting.com. So it's gotomeeting.com and click the Try It Free button and you'll have your first meeting up and running in minutes. Once again, visit gotomeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. Thank you so much to Citrus GoToMeeting for supporting this week's episode of Upgrade and Ask Upgrade. Oh, I should mention uh, Cast is TriCast, uh, T-R-Y-C-A dot S-T. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. If you want to check it out, yeah. If you do want to find those show notes on the web, 
They're over at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 67. And if you want to become a Relay FM member and support this show, there are buttons there conveniently to allow you to do that. And uh, I will say that uh, Cast also only officially supports Chrome, um, although uh, other browsers do support some parts of the WebRTC thing, just not Safari. What was that URL again? Was it tricast.com? No, it's tricast. Oh, yeah, you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you need to go to the show notes. <laughs> it's it's one of those uh, tricky domains. Yeah. All right. So the first uh, ask upgrade question this week comes from Luke. Luke is thinking of buying an Apple Watch um, and wants to know if we think he should wait for the rumored Apple Watch Two or buy one when hopefully they may be on sale uh, over the. You know, just after Christmas, like we have Boxing Day sales here in the UK, where I assume he's because he referenced Boxing Day. Um, mm. So that means, you know, that some stuff will go on sale. Maybe Apple will do a sale or some other company will, will offer, you know, a sale on Apple Watch potentially or maybe just at some point in the next couple of months. Do you think that Luke should go ahead and get one now or is it worth waiting? Oh, I don't know. I... I... I feel like with the Apple Watch, you should just uh, do what feels right. <laughs> People are asking for upgrade advice here, Jason. We need to give this guy a, a, some advice. I have a hard... Well, this is what I'm saying, though. Is I have a hard time answering this question because it depends on how much do you want an Apple Watch. I feel like... I don't think there's a new Apple Watch imminent. I mean, there are rumors that they're testing things and that... It may be that the new Apple Watch will be like the old Apple Watch, except it'll have a FaceTime camera, which I'm not sure how compelling that is. Hopefully there's more in there. But are they really going to release that in the spring or is it going to be the fall? And are you do you want to wait until the fall? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a bleeding edge product. So at the same time, um, it's hard to recommend it in the same way that I would recommend an iPad or an iPhone because it's a first generation product. It I, I wear mine every day and I enjoy it, but um, it's not it's totally going to get better in the next few years. And so sure, wait, wait, don't even wait for Apple watch Two. wait for Apple watch three. If you want to have a really spectacular Apple watch, but if you want to wear an Apple watch now, then you should buy it. And I, I think that's really my advice is yep. I, I enjoy mine. I, I talk to people who really like theirs. I think that um, the people who don't like the watch as much are perhaps, um, I think perhaps there's a judgment about like what's it's what what did we think it was going to be versus what it is. Um, what it is is not everything that perhaps people hoped it would be. I would say, but I like what it is. I like that it gives me notifications and taps me on the wrist and tells me the time and has little complications that give me other bits of information and uh, monitors my uh, fitness stuff and is my alarm clock. I, there are lots of things I like about it, and uh, so I wear it all the time. But um, your mileage may vary. But, uh, you know, if you can get a deal on one, I, I, I don't feel like there's going to be one. I could be wrong, but I don't feel like there's going to be a, a huge new Apple Watch that it does everything and solves every problem and is going to be out in the next few months. That seems yep. highly unlikely to me. I would say, Luke, if you find one on sale and the price is right for you, then I would go for it. Uh, Joe Steele in the chat room says, uh, would we, what will we do about the Apple TV for the holidays? Would I recommend one? Yeah. Uh, You're the worst person to ask. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd just say, like, whatever, man. I'd say, I'd say, um, I, I like it. So I would say, yeah, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good product. But, uh, but again, it comes down to what are they, what, what video services do they use? And 
I, I, and do they want to play games and do they use a lot of Apple stuff and rent, rent or, or buy a lot of iTunes movies because it's the only box that'll do any of those things. I spend most of my time on my TiVo now because my TiVo does, um, does Hulu and Netflix and Amazon video. So I, I, it's not plus it's my DVR, right? So it, I, I, I don't need a lot more other than the iTunes stuff. But um, I think it's I think at this point it's a fun video box. I I wouldn't. I, there are cheaper options. I mean, if somebody just wants something cheap, get them a Fire TV stick for what thirty nine dollars. <laughs> but uh, but I I feel I feel like it's much more of a complete product in some ways than the Apple TV is because it's got you know the Apple TV hardware is going to improve over the next three or four years in a way that I don't think the Apple TV the Apple the Apple Watch hardware will improve dramatically because it's a first generation piece of hardware and Apple TV is not a first generation piece of hardware. The OS is, and, and, and the store is new, but the hardware is using not only just, is it the fourth generation of Apple TV hardware, but it's also based on all the iOS hardware in a way that um, the Apple watch isn't so much because it's so miniaturized. It's a, it's a much harder problem to solve. Rajiv would like to know, uh, is there any more evidence besides the support tech chat thing that came out a couple of weeks ago that Amazon is bringing an app to the current Apple TV? I haven't seen anything. I wondered no. if you've seen anything. No, I think the only other evidence is that the Amazon apps are on iOS and therefore it's not a big leap. And yep. that if they weren't going to put them on there, that would be out of spite more than anything else. And as we talked about before, Ultimately, Amazon wants to be everywhere and they want to be indispensable everywhere and they don't want there to be other boxes that are um, impediments to becoming an Amazon customer because they don't support Amazon's things. It's like Apple's not going to stop Amazon from being on the Apple TV. So why would Amazon not go on the Apple TV, especially since they've got the iOS um, uh, the iOS apps? So my guess is that th they will be there. But uh, evidence? Um, no. <laughs> There's none of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'll do it because, yeah. you know, business, but it's just going to take them a while because it's not maybe not a priority. Yeah, it may just be as simple as a development priority of, uh, you know, what, what other stuff what other stuff they're working on across all fronts. Do they want to go through the holidays pointing everybody at the at their own devices and then only after the holidays uh, come in and drop uh, drop it? That's a, that's a, you know, that's part spite, part strategy. But yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I think it makes Amazon strong offering stronger to be on Apple TV because it allows them to say we are everywhere, including Apple's device, instead of saying, you know, we're everywhere except the new Apple TV. Why? That's not the game that I think Amazon is playing. Jimmy uh, wanted to know about my iPad Pro stickers. So I mentioned <laughs> that I've question. been putting stickers <laughs> on the iPad Pro and he asked a question I think is an excellent question. And was something that I considered. Jimmy wants to know, is Mike placing his stickers on his iPad Pro to be viewable from any direction or to be right side up when docked in the keyboard cover? So yeah. on my MacBook Pro, the majority of my stickers are oriented to be viewed from whatever. Like, yeah, so say it'd be if you're looking at my MacBook when I'm using it, I have the lid open, you would be able to read them all, right? They're, they're placed in a way that they all kind of... You know, they're placed in the landscape orientation, so it all works out. On my iPad Pro, because I can use it in any orientation and do, I considered this, and they're all sticking in all different ways. 
I have, <laughs> so there will be stickers <laughs> viewable from all orientations. I have only got a small handful of stickers on there right now. I need to do some work on choosing some stuff. Uh, obviously, I have less surface area, which is why I'm being a little bit more picky about it. Because on the MacBook, I have two surfaces to put stickers on. Um, so they have to, it's it's coming along. I have a few on there. Some of my favorites and a couple of relay stickers on there right now. And uh, I, but yeah, I am considering that they should be viewable from any and all orientation. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. This is a great question. Also, I was thinking about this this weekend. Um, when I use the, I'm using the iPad Pro with a, with the the old Apple wireless keyboard and that that in case origami workstation mm-hmm. thing that doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore. One of the nice things about that is that you can use it in portrait or landscape. And there are times when you're writing that actually having the tall screen. It's kind of neat. It's kind of fun having the having that taller screen. Since it's a four by three, it's not as dramatic. You couldn't really, I think, it would be kind of crazy to have it be. It was super, super tall if it was a sixteen by nine device, but it's not. Um, but but most of the time, and Apple's keyboard cover works this way. You're working on the iPad in landscape orientation. And I had this moment when I was walking down the stairs at my sister-in-law's house, and I looked over and I saw my iPad Pro sitting on the table in the workstation, or maybe it was in the keyboard dock, because I also had the keyboard cover with me. Maybe it was in the keyboard cover, but regardless. Um, and I looked at it, and I thought, why, other than that the iPhone and the and then the iPad are like this, why is the Apple oriented on the back in portrait and not landscape. I think it's a mistake. I think the iPad Pro ought to have the Apple in landscape. Because it's they're actually promoting it and showing this thing on you know in ads and stuff as being used in landscape. Isn't landscape the primary orientation? Maybe it's not, but uh, but it seems like if you're attaching a keyboard to it and and uh, propping it up on a table and working on it, a sideways Apple maybe isn't what you want there. Maybe they just decided that it's too weird when somebody holds it in portrait to have a sideways Apple, but short of Apple patenting a new system that auto rotates the Apple logo based on the orient, get on it, Apple based on the orientation of the device. um, It's a hard problem to solve, but I just had a moment where I I thought, I'm not sure this device is a primary portrait orientation device. It it feels like a very landscapey product to me. And yet the um, the Apple placement would suggest either kind of brand inertia or a feeling like pr- the, the portrait is still the thing that that the iPad is for. And I, I'm not sure I I'm not sure I agree with the iPad Pro. In fact, if you look at the Apple um, if you look at the Apple website for iPads, um, well, it's laying at an, a jaunty angle, isn't it? <laughs> but but J- Jupiter is being displayed with. Uh, an orientation that suggests that it, it belongs in portrait orientation in on that page. And I think that's just kind of funny because is it, or is that just sort of, I mean, I use mine in portrait a bunch. I do too. I do too. There are a lot of things to be said for it. Um, in fact, but the keyboard work, you know, when you're doing the keyboard work, you're, you're usually in landscape. I don't know. It's just funny. So I, that was that that ask upgrade question was was funny because it made me think too about like what is the right thing to do. Perhaps your answer is the best, which is just all the great orientations are the way to do it. Last ask upgrade question this week is actually from me to you. Okay. Um, well, this is unprecedented, but I'll allow it. How excited are you for Star Wars? How excited are you for Star Wars? I'm really excited. 
I'm very, very much looking forward to 11 a.m. on Thursday when I will see Star Wars before you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm very excited. I, I, I am. Uh, I saw a TV spot last night, um, which I had. It was on the TV, so there's nothing I could do about it. Right? Uh, I was very it, it had some stuff in it that i hadn't seen yet and i was screaming whilst it was on i am getting extremely excited now <laughs> wow it, um, it had some really cool footage in it jason i don't know if you've seen it or not and i won't spoil it for anybody else but i, pro- I probably have there was I've some probably, stuff in it i, I hadn't seen, seen and i was very excited so I think I've probably seen you them probably all at this have. point. But I listened to the incomparable episode, which I'll put in the show notes because people should go and listen to that, where uh, you and Ren and John and Dan were talking about your excitement for it. And I was just wondering how you're feeling now. It is the week. Yeah, well, I mean, th- that episode was funny because I had people asking me if it was uh, if it was a uh, like a, a spoilery episode. And the answer is, well, no, John was on it. And John refuses to be spoiled so of course not um it's about anticipation it's about the fact that we that this was all announced three years ago and we've been talking about it since then and now it is upon us so it's sort of like what what you know it's an interesting subject about just anticipating star wars and what are our expectations and what are our concerns and and uh i i'm excited i would say yeah i'm i'm excited how excited i am you know i i'm not at the level of my friends who are total huge star wars fans i i read i think a couple of star wars books and a few star wars comics but i was never like like i read dozens of star trek books but not star wars books so i was always much more of a star trek fan i was much more um especially when i was about 14 or 13 uh, much more of a doctor who fan much more of a star trek fan star wars was always present and I love it, but I was never like a super fan. Um, you know, I did two months ago, I did buy tickets for opening night for Thursday night at seven o'clock, even though my daughter has a final the next morning. <laughs> so we're going, you're going, do your studying before and after, but we're going. This is your um, problem now. Yeah, exactly. I gave her two months notice. So, um, you know, so yeah, there, I, I definitely am excited about it. I just, it's funny because, like, John is taking Friday off <laughs> from work to go see it. John is seeing it Thursday alone, Friday with his wife, and Saturday with his whole family. Right? I mean, I'm pretty much considering <laughs> that I'm taking the day off. Right? Like, I, I don't know if I'll be able to function completely. Yeah. See, so uh, I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's really exciting. Um there there's you know there's not a lot that i am i am that enthusiastic about i think these days i i i have a lot i spread myself kind of thin where i'm enthusiastic about a lot of things but not i'm not like super excited about one thing like in this just eruption of uh of fandom not so much but um i'm excited for it i'm looking forward to it i'm also as i've gotten older i've gotten really good at playing the game that it'll be here eventually and that um i'll I'll, it'll be great when it gets here, but I'm not gonna, I realized I had that, um, there's the, the phrase, basically, I can't wait. Mm -hmm. I can't wait, people say. And 
it's that actually in the last few years that started to strike me as a as a, a kind of a crazy phrase. It's kind of ridiculous. I can't wait. It's like, well, first off, you you have to. But I so don't get, wanna get get used to disappointment, but you actually do have to wait. And it'll be here before you know it, and then it'll be gone before you know it. And so and there's a lot going on. There's a lot to be excited about. So for me, it's been like that thing on the I've I've had it hanging on a on a hook on my wall of like then the Star Wars movie will come out. And the nice thing about that is by by just kind of having it in the background and not getting too worked up about it, then you turn around one day and you're like, hey, the new Star Wars movie is this week. All right. And it's like not like I didn't know that it was coming, but you know, I don't know. By modulating my enthusiasm a little bit, um, it's more bearable. The weight is more bearable. And then it's a little more like a nice surprise or a nice gift when it finally does arrive. So I'm I'm happy that it's here and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope it's I hope it's really good. And I hope it is fodder for many, many discussions on podcasts. I hope so too. I don't know where I'm gonna talk about it, but I'm gonna to have to talk about it somewhere. Well, we may be doing like 10 episodes of The Incomparable about it for all I know. So who knows? We'll do a little mini mic at the movies maybe next week. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Yep. Good idea. Because, well, because plus, there's going to be no tech news next week, right? There we Sure. Know. Absolutely zero. Zilch is out of nothing. So we'll just talk about Star Wars. We'll next have week. something to talk about. We'll talk about Star Wars. <laughs> so there you go. There we go. No, no complaints about spoilers now, everyone. We've told you well, next week we'll, we will very likely be talking we'll about Star Wars. We'll fire off the spoiler horn before, but um, yeah. but maybe we'll have some good follow up from web browser experts explaining exactly oh, why yeah. Safari will never support WebRTC yep. and demanding a much more clear definition of what a command line interface mm. is. And why and Launchpad is superior to OS X. Just why yeah. it should be the only way of interacting with anything. If we're ever hurting for topics, that's what I need to do is just to declare some feature of the OS, <laughs> something that nobody uses, and then just watch the uh, watch the. Let, let's do it now. I'm going to do it now, Mike. Right, I'm gonna it. I'm gonna say uh, nobody uses where... dashboard. Yeah, nobody uses dashboard. It's dashboard dead. Is why is dead, it even? Man. Why can you still turn it on? Yeah, take that. I was going to use like grab or. Or net network image utility, or grapher, or something like that. But no, that's it. Dashboard. Nobody uses dashboard. It's for chumps. Yep, chumps and old school losers. Write <laughs> in, write in if you disagree, and we'll talk about dashboard next week. See, we're making topics. Beautiful. Talking about making topics, uh, we're starting our planning for the upgradies. If you, we've had a few suggestions of categories. If you do want to suggest a category for the upgradies, um, please use the hashtag #AskUpgrade when you do so, and then we'll be able. <laughs> don't, to... don't try to spell upgradies hashtag #Upgradies because we're yeah hashtag #AskUpgrade please. Because then it goes into the document that we use for the article. Yes. Great stuff that makes it really easy to find. Um, if you want to find our show notes for this week, as I said before, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 67. If you want to find Jason online, he is over at sixcolors.com and you can also find his other great podcasts as well as his relay shows. You can find his other great podcasts over at theincomparable.com. There's a lot of great stuff there. Um, and also Jason is at Jasonell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to GoToMeeting, Warby Parker, and Lynda.com for helping support this week's show. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. May the force be with you. And with you. <laughs>